Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am here with returning guests and one of my good friends in the legal industry, Sam Alai. Sam, how's it going? Very good, Jan. So good to always reconnect with you and uh, touch base. Okay, awesome. So I wanted to do a little bit of a brief intro so for people who haven't met you, but basically Sam was on the podcast. I actually looked up the date right before. It was in December of 2019. He has had an enormous couple of years, worked with hundreds of law firms since we last spoke. We have a lot to get into, but I'm really, really excited to. But for now, just for people who haven't met you before, what's kind of superhero origin story of Sam? (laughs) Sure. So I started my law firm about seven years ago, but I got on the business side of basically being able to learn how to get clients online. And then I was able to kind of figure that out and then be able to replicate it over and over. And so now I run seven automated virtual law firms. And I also partner up with other law firms to help them not just get clients, but also be able to automate the law firm. So using a lot of virtual assistants, using a lot of automations to have the law firm run on its own, operation for it to run on its own. And then while I was doing that, I basically started also teaching other lawyers and exchanging everything that I was doing with other lawyers instead of a program that's called Legal Funnel. And since, you know, that's been two years and I've been able to talk to hundreds of lawyers during that time, exactly understand exactly what they're struggling with, where, you know, how, what they're successful at, what they're not. And I'm able to take that feedback and give it back to everybody, you know, based on things that I've learned for everybody. So I'm all about giving, um, I'm all about sharing and Jan, I know you're the same way. So that's why I think we get along so well. Um, yeah. And we're, we're just here to kind of empower other lawyers to kind of run their own. I mean, my, my mission is to help other lawyers run their own automated law firm and uh, do it with good energy and, you know, do it positively. All right, awesome. And I'll also say this too, just like, you know, for anyone who hasn't like met Sam, I really kind of consider you to kind of be like the Tim Ferriss of the, of the law firm space. <laughs> You've been doing such a fantastic job with, you know, a lot of the stuff that touches so many aspects of running the law firm, which I found super impressive. I'm almost uh, struggling to find a good way to start the conversation because there's so many ways we could go. But if I had to ask one question, what do you know now, almost two years from our last interview that you didn't know uh, the last time we had uh, on a podcast. Like, what have you learned from all these law firms that you've worked with? I think I'm realizing more and more how attorneys need more help with being more efficient with how they're running their law firm. So, you know, and it felt like a couple of years ago, it was more about getting more business, getting more clients. Now I'm running into this big issue that attorneys are overworked, doing a little bit of a lot of different things, such as practically, you know, posting a little bit on Facebook, a little bit on Instagram, doing a little bit of blogging you know, that's not the right way to do it and kind of not being efficient with their time. So, you know, there's a, you you need, lawyers need help and be able to surround themselves with a lot of people, employees, virtual assistants, people that can help them so that ultimately the attorney can focus on doing what they're good at and what they like doing. That's the, ultimately, I think that's the true definition of success. The lawyer is doing what you're good at and what, what you like doing. Um, so yeah, that's the big goal for every attorney that I see. Yeah. And I was going to say too, like, I mean, obviously people have their own preferences in terms of what they like doing, but as far as stuff that you see often, are there any commonalities in the common ways that people that are going through your program seem to be wasting your, their time when you end up like having people that you're meeting with for the first time? Yeah. The number one factor that I see from a successful 
students that we have from the ones who are not is first being open-minded to all these concepts, these new concepts of like virtual assistants, automations, automated things, you know, templates, things like that. I mean, if you're open-minded to it, that at least uh, that opens you up to, you know, change. Um, second is using technology to your advantage as much as you can. If I ever hear an attorney saying, well, what's the cost? Oh, what's this? Like, those are all things that kind of hold you back. Instead, your mind should go towards what am I getting out of this? And if you, for any service, for any product or anything that you sign up for, if you ask yourself, what am I getting out of this? Even if I get two clients from this, will this be worth it? Then you realize that you've probably been bogged down too much uh, with overthinking and not deciding to move forward just because you had those doubts about is this worth it, is this not? So always, you know, flip things backwards and always ask yourself, what will I get out of this? And if it helps you get one to five clients, then go for it, you know, just go for it. Yeah. I guess like, you know, there's, there's always the, the marketing applications of that, but also kind of the operation stuff too. Cause like, I know sometimes people, you know, they don't value their own time that much. Right. And sometimes, you know, you're kind of, uh, you're typing, this is the other thing too. Process and mindset are very, very related and you can have all the process in the world, but if it doesn't, uh, if it's not something that you can bring yourself to do, if you can't see it, then, you know, it doesn't really matter. Like, um, this is kind of just sort of top of mind. Uh, I was on a, a, I called my sales team earlier today and it was like the thing is we were talking about targets for, for doing dials. And the thing is to hit the dial button on your phone takes one second. But some people find a way to take half an hour to do that because they're psyching themselves up. They're thinking about all the different things. They're distracting. I, I feel like there's a lot of parallels for that in pretty much any business that you could run. But um, that's super important as well. Like in terms of like kind of like some quick wins too, like what are you seeing as sort of important first steps for people that are kind of going through this journey or like, you know, key technologies or, or things that you think are important? It's getting hyper-focused with figuring out and doubling down on one specific source that's bringing you clients and following through with that one specific source. I think the problem that I see is people doing a little bit of a lot, again, a lot of things, and that really uh, kind of kills your productivity and your results when you're doing that. Instead, ask yourself, what is the one source of best, best source of client that I could do? Uh, how can I do that on a daily basis every single day? That's like an easy win to gonna get the hyper-focus on just one, one thing. Yeah, that's interesting. And like, how do you, what ends up happening when you have somebody who might be running like a general practice that comes in a legal funnel? Like what's your advice for a person like that? You can't. Interesting. No, yeah. Impossible. You cannot, no longer can you be a general practitioner, even as the example is like a business lawyer. There's no such thing as being a business lawyer anymore. And I kind of realized this early on in my journey that I put out content and when once you know I started getting clients, I started analyzing why did I get this client? Did I get this client because I was a business a business lawyer, or did I get this client because I was solving a very specific problem? So at that point, I started going after the specific problems and talking the language of problems versus putting myself out there as a business lawyer. So my niches became the problems, not what type of lawyer I am. Yeah. So I have that in mind. And just kind of to dig down to this, and I know your story personally, but for anyone who's who's not as familiar, could you give like the specific example of how you ended up doing that for your first law firm? Yeah. So basically, long story short, um, I basically got an email asking, hey, can you do this ser uh, service for me? And at the time, I had no idea how to do this uh, specific service. So I Googled it and I found this obscure article with one other attorney who wrote about this. And I you know, read his instructions and I basically was able to help my client. And then I'm like, hey, you know what? Let me go and rewrite this instructions and put it up. 
after I put it up after a couple of weeks, I started getting, uh, you know, a couple of emails for it. And a couple of weeks after that, a couple of more emails. And then fast forward 12 months later, I realized 80% of my clients was coming because of this one article, this one source. So that really, and then I basically, uh, it was right at the time when I started learning about funnels and I basically created my first funnel towards the service. And what was cool about this funnel was that it would basically bring in clients 24 seven around the clock. It would take them throughout the so if somebody were searching for something, they would enter the funnel. My sales page would pitch them for my service. They would be sent to my application. They would fill out the application. They would fill out the questions that I need answered and make the payment. And here I was on a trip in Israel and I would get notifications of these payments coming in while I was on a trip. And I could really open up my eyes to this whole like cool automated thing that Tim Ferriss, as you mentioned, was talking about. I'm like, whoa, this is so cool. This is kind of like the online business of the legal side. Let me try to re- uh, recreate this. And I, for the next service, I basically, when I literally replicated the exact thing, created my second one, the third, fourth, every service that I could think of. I still have a folder full of like funnel ideas, about 30 funnel ideas. If I had all the time in the world, I would go make a funnel for every single one of those. And uh, that really opened my eyes again to this whole world of online marketing, funnels, automations, all these things. It's really cool. Yeah. I was going to say too, there's some really interesting things. So it seems like you went extremely hyper niche. If there was like one person in the entire country that you're able to find stuff on, like, right? Like, and it's powerful though, because it's like the, the returns that you get on that kind of focus, it's not like you focus in on that and you know, you get a 10% boost, right? You were one of a handful of providers that were able to do that. And then that's really when you get to the point where like, okay, like, you know, you could probably be, you could build a house on a service like that. That wouldn't happen if you're a business attorney. And like, also, you know, all of the investment, and this is actually something I want to ask you about too, because um, as far as building spot of funnels, you know, the more specific you go, the more you can really specialize, right? Like you couldn't, I mean, what would somebody with a general practice even be able to do from a funnel perspective? Is at first you're gonna figure out, you know, you are this practitioner. So go back and analyze your last 12 months and be like, what was the the most popular service that you were off, able to offer? And then ask yourself, what was the problems that they had uh, before they came to you? And then you make your content and your funnels and your emails and your language and everything you you talk about should be directed towards those specific pain points and specific problems that they have. And then as you share, as you shared, once your funnel is specifically addressing those specific problems. That's a lot more convincing than versus you business lawyer that you happen to do this. So, you know, flip the language, be the more specific you you are in life and the more specific you can explain your vision, the most likely your, your, your vision will come true. Well, the same thing with funnels and everything else. Yeah. And like, I also got to say too, it's like, this is something that um, I've been thinking about for a super long time. Like, like way back in the day, I remember like when, when, <laughs> when I hung a shingle as a Google AdWords consultant, what we did that really differentiated was we did ads that matched landing pages. We went really niche. But, and the whole idea for that is that really helped out with the conversion rate, which is what we we're measuring at the time. But it's because people, they land on the page and they're like, okay, well, these guys do this. I'm in the right place. This is the guy who can take care of me. And to think about how many more levels that you can go now versus back then in the day. And it's like, okay, cool. Well, you got the ad, you got the landing page or however you're getting people to that. You got the sequence, you got the name of the consultation, you got the process that you're doing it and everything is specialized to feed into the next thing. So by the end, they get to the time there. It's like, you know, obviously you're trying to be expert, but like you're just going to look so much more expert for the specialty that you're doing, right? Yep, exactly. Yep. That's one of the secret sauces to marketing. Get very specific. Yeah. I also say this too, sometimes like, 
one of the things that we've kind of been running in and like, this isn't something that you guys are doing, but I actually think I have a podcast going to be coming out a little bit after we record this one. But like, sometimes we have people like, Oh, Hey, can you like run this to some completely like some completely different service? Hey, just, just run the traffic to this. <laughs> what would you say to a situation like that? <laughs> Don't waste your money. Don't waste your time and your money. Uh, yeah. It's not going to work. You could always run micro tests. And for your micro tests, it doesn't take right minimum viable, funnel a minimal viable landing page to test something. If it, and then if it works out, then you go build out the back end and everything else. Yeah. Um, that's what I would do. Okay, awesome. And that's honestly like this is kind of the thing too. It's like I feel like a lot of times the people who build a, a funnel to nowhere, it's kind of like the the people who have like the twenty thousand dollar website with no SEO <laughs> from like you know, ten years ago. But um, kind of uh, tacking onto that a little bit, um, you know, obviously things have it's been a pretty turbulent year in the uh, advertising world to say the lot <laughs> to say the least. Uh, what are you recommending to clients as far as traffic sources for getting people into their funnels these days? It just comes down to essentially just two sources uh, for the most part. It's just either Google ads or Facebook ads. If Interesting. You, and if you can make one of those two work, you probably will be a-okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, most of my clients are just one of those two sources. Just trying to crack that code. Yeah. And as far as like, do you see any sort of recommendations changing based on the type of problems that people are solving? Like what would be the, the major things you'd recommend someone in the direction of Facebook or Google? So, you know, usually by default, Google tends to be more popular and more better fit for most people. Because mm -hmm. again, somebody has a problem, they search for it and they'll find you. Facebook is with when they don't know that they have this problem. So for that, that's when you have to kind of interrupt them and tell them that they have this problem and educate them and then lead them down to, um, you know, nurturing them and signing them up. So depends on the niche and that's yeah. where we can get into inside our program. And, and at this point, I kind of exactly know for this niche, and this one makes more sense. And for this niche, this type of funnel makes more sense. But once you figure it out, then it just comes down to putting it up, tracking it and continue refining it and sticking with it. Because a lot of attorneys that I see just start stemming up. Oh, it doesn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> you go to the money, next thing. Or... <laughs> yeah, they go to the next thing. It didn't work for me. I'm like, yeah, well, did you, just, did you stick through it for three months? Uh, and even, even then, even three months, you know, you, you just have to be willing to just stay in the game. The longer you can stay in the game, the more likely it becomes successful. Yeah. And I also say this too, it's just like one of the things I think we're super simpatico on this, like, especially when we have the situations, three months of being all in on something is very, very different than three months of making like, you know, uh, two TikTok posts uh, a week. And then there, I don't know what the, I've never done. I'm too, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I, I feel too old about this. This <laughs> is not good, but like being, uh, you know, putting one eighth of your attention towards eight separate channels. It's like, okay, maybe you've, you know, you've been breathing the air for three months, but like, were you really focusing on it? Right. Yeah. Once you figure out paid ads, it's pretty much hands off at that point. You know, you know, you have your media buyer or service provider, whoever is that taking over for you. And, you know, you have your goals and, it's it's doing its thing, and then and then once you have that time, then you go you do your organic TikTok posting or YouTube posting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like it's like a the old investment thing, right? It's like you get your blue chips, and then you know, but screw around with your ten percent for fun if you want to, right? <laughs> uh, Jan, I want to ask you a cool question, a random question. Do you think yeah. the lawyer space is gonna move over? Or the lawyer market is gonna move over like uh, even more into TikTok, or is it just gonna have its own niche, just kind of how? Snapchat is kind of just has its own niche and that's it. So this is actually super funny. This is the first time I've talked about this on the podcast for thanks for bringing it up, Sam. I was extremely skeptical about TikTok. And uh, just to get a little bit personal for, for a bit, I have never downloaded the TikTok app. 
I'm a extremely avid meme, meme consumer. And I've like, I've had periods in my life where I was literally losing an hour and a half a day <laughs> on Instagram. It's bad. So yeah. anyway, so I avoided TikTok for personal health reasons. But anyway, as far as um, it's, it's super funny because I actually uh, found something up and um, you know, uh, uh, we work really heavily in the estate planning space. Um, I had somebody that I was uh, working with and he basically said, yeah, this is the craziest thing ever. I bought an insurance policy from an ad that I saw on TikTok. Mm-hmm. So that really opened my eyes. I'm like, okay, well, you know, insurance products are generally not the kind of stuff that's being marketed to 17 year olds, which yep. what, what TikTok was in my mind. <laughs> so I think it's, it's possible. And the other thing too, is just like for these things, it's, um, you know, one of these channels, like I was not super bullish on what was that podcast app? Like that was the, uh, uh clubhouse. Yeah. I wasn't bullish on clubhouse. I was Me like, I was not either, <laughs> but I think the, I think the momentum's behind TikTok to the point where it's going to be around for a couple of years at least. And it really is a completely discreet platform for Facebook. So I think there are people who are going to go out there. There's going to be pioneers that are doing really well. There's gonna be pioneers that are going to wind up with arrows in their back. So I think at this point it's, it's past the, uh, like innovator stage. I think we're in like the early adopter, which is when I try to hop in. So full discussion, <laughs> probably running some tests in the next couple of months on that. But yeah, I think honestly you see people that are and for us, I'm always with estate planning marketing. We have to think about what, you know, the 55 plus consumer is doing. And there's a lot of people's grandmas on TikTok. It's a lot of people, grandpas you know, doing crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a it's an effective platform, which is why I've avoided it. <laughs> like, I've deleted TikTok from my phone three times already. Um, <laughs> it feels like a trap. I feel like it, it probably will it will probably hurt people and, and hold people back from growth more than it helps them if you're going to be using it for your for your law firm growth. So I think you have to have the personality for it. TikTok is in for everybody. You kind of you know need to be out there and you know share your message. Um, but I also feel like you cannot force it just because you hear, by the way, just because you hear TikTok works, quote unquote, doesn't mean you have to jump on TikTok. It has to work for you. <laughs> so, no, it's such right? a good point too. Cause it's like, yeah, like if you don't want to be doing dances or like, if you're not a high energy person, it's, it's going to be tough. I'm like, I also, I heard a really interesting, um, I'm sure, you know, Alex Formosi, right? Mm-hmm. I so I, <laughs> I was, I was listening to a, an interview with him and he said something really interesting. He's like content marketing is not a fit for a lot of people. Content marketing is not a fit. If you don't have something to say, if you don't have something to contribute, right? Interesting. Um, one of the things that I think is very cool is that going the niche route means that you have something inherently valuable due to the rarity of what it is you're speaking about. If you're the only person to speak to a problem, which has been your approach, as far as what we've been talking about recently, that's inherently valuable because, okay, if you're talking about this specific area of IP law or something like that, and everyone else is talking about the IP law broadly or business law, worst case scenario, then you don't have to be the most persuasive, you know, you don't have to be Don Draper to get people to read that copy. You, you know, you got what they want, right? So it's like, that's why I think it's such a powerful thing. And like, also maybe to segue a little bit, I think it's also super important from the operations perspective, because now you've got the ability to bring people in. Um, if you have one thing to fulfill on versus 12 different practice areas. What does that look like from the reality of getting that business automated? Absolutely right. You got to find your strengths and double down on it and then hand off everything else. So yeah, it's the TikTok and necessarily YouTube and other things, not necessarily for everybody. So you just got to find your strengths. Yeah. Okay. So talking about the operation stuff too, I know something that um, we were speaking about actually a little bit earlier before this call, but I know that you've had a lot of focus on virtual assistants recently. 
So, and it's kind of interesting. I've, I've seen a little bit of this, um, like come up recently. And like, I know you've probably known about virtual assistants. You've probably been using them since day one in the, in the, in the practice, right? For five or six years now. Yeah. Ever since I read Tim Ferriss's book, that's when I started exploring it. And then I read, my, I think it's Michael Gerber's book about hiring virtual assistants. Um, and then about four years ago, I basically did an analysis. We had about eight or 10 virtual assistants and I wrote down their name and how many hours they worked and how, how much I basically paid them for the entire year. And then also in my head, I looked at when I looked at this chart, I noticed that this VA that I paid four thousand dollars helped me make fifty thousand dollars. Wow. This VA that I spent one was one of them was six hundred dollars that helped me make a hundred thousand dollars, and another VA was like twelve thousand dollars that helped me you know replace three employees. And at that point, I'm like, whoa, like this is a crazy ROI uh, for virtual assistants. So at that point, I made a promise to myself that I'm going to treat virtual assistants like they're free, and I'm going to try to get as many as I possibly could. That even if they waste you know half of them waste your time it doesn't matter because the roi is so high it doesn't really matter so let me just try to fill up any position anything what i where i can command on go do go do go do and then after some time i'll just analyze whether it was worth it or not if if they're doing well great let me try to increase the team do more of it if it's not okay cut them off uh so did that over and over i probably over i hired over 200 virtual assistants at this point i have about 80 or so that i currently work with they're all inside of my slack they're all you know part of different organizations different law firms different teams and, you know, once you create your systems and your Google Sheets and your your systems, then it's kind of like a living, breathing organism of people kind of operating and communicating with each other. And, you know, they all have their goals that they're achieving. And then once they're, they achieve their goals, they pass on to their next team and the next team and they pass off to the other teams. And it's kind of cool to see. And I just, I happen to, at this point, I, I try and only log into my Slack once every two days, just to see wow. much everybody's doing their thing. And, and it's cool. You know, I, I love seeing that. I love kind of being able to create it and just leave it alone and just be able to step away. And it's cool. Um, and now I, you know, confidently see, uh, say that virtual assistance is the highest ROI business decision you can make for your law firm. So my entire operations, most, most, most of everything that I run is 98% virtual assistance. I do have in-house managers and directors who happen to manage or direct this out the operations, but the staff is usually most of the time it's virtual assistants. Yeah. I got to say that might be the quotable of the episode so far. Treat virtual uh, assistants like they're free. That's a really, really powerful mindset. And I'm going to probably start to, I'll, I'll be meditating on that for the next couple of <laughs> but that's a fantastic tip, Sam. And also just as far as um, logging into Slack once every two days, I personally think that's a fantastic place to be at. I don't know how many other people are on Slack, but <laughs> it's kind of like your email inbox, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's a fantastic, uh, that's a fantastic place to be. So I want to go, you know, obviously probably a little bit of trial and error that, that, that ended up getting to the place you can get there. But, you know, I feel like the, 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 the secret is out for this, the virtual assistant stuff, as far as people knowing that it's an option, but we don't see a lot of people using it. So what do you think is stopping people from getting started on this journey as far as using virtual assistants for the first time? I already know. Yeah. And I'm, cause I hear all the time is like, what do I give them? I don't know what to give them. What are they going to do for me? That's number one. And two is they're not good. They suck. They're, they're like robots. They're probably linear thinkers. Actually just today I heard that from one of our students. Interesting. Oh, and I'm like, no, look at this person. I literally opened up my Slack. I'm like, you see this person? She's running my entire law firm right now. <laughs> like, yeah. She made these charts. She gave she gave me all these charts without me even asking for it. And she, you know, she's running the entire show. 
So first, let's address those two. The first is you got to figure out what you're doing, what tasks you're doing. So just a couple of months ago, I, I put out a training called How to Delegate 95% of Your Tasks by Hiring Virtual Assistants. And the, for the first half of the training was, it's based, I actually did it based on this book called Free to Focus, where it helps you. I got, yeah, so it's from Super this book. Super cool. Yeah, Michael Hyatt. Michael Hyatt, where it basically helps you uh, write down the tasks that you're currently working on. And it's in split into four different categories. The first category is your drudgery zone, which is the stuff that you don't like doing and you're not necessarily good at. So you write down all those tasks. And there's a set of tasks that you are good at, but you're not, you don't necessarily like doing. And then there's stuff that, that you like doing, but you're not necessarily good at. And then there's the last zone, which is your desired zone, which is where everybody needs to be is doing stuff that you're good at that you also enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. So once you write down all these tasks, then the next step is for you to write down whether are you going to delegate this out to somebody? Are you going to automate these other tasks or are you going to eliminate? So once you do that, you see that you'll be able to hand off or automate or eliminate most of the tasks that you're working on. And then over time, we try to only work on those desired zone tasks that you're, you know, that you enjoy doing. And the more you do that, the happier you will be and the more successful, I, I consider that right now, that's my definition of success. If I'm working in my desired zone and, you know, I had a very successful day and I'm, I consider myself successful. So that's the first thing. And then second thing is you got to change your mindset about virtual assistants. These VAs, I would say, I'll be, I'll come on and say and support them. Sometimes they're better than people here in, in the United yeah. States. They, they speak English pretty well. They're polite. They have good, amazing culture. They're, they're loyal. And I have some VAs who've been with me for five or six years. They're amazing. So, you know, I'm just putting out, I'm putting out this, you know, sharing this secret with you guys, the, you know, go hire your virtual assistants. Um, I, I, inside my program, I basically teach people how to hire virtual assistants directly. And there are also agencies that can help you recruit a virtual assistants for your law firm. Okay. Gotcha. And for anyone who's considering this, like, you know, if they think that, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I was talking with a client earlier about getting a paralegal in place. You know, some people have a price tag associated with, you know, $50,000, $60,000 for hiring somebody locally. What would it take to hire somebody full-time and a virtual assistant? And do you have to hire somebody full-time when you're starting out? You should always look to hire people full-time. As my, I learned this from my mentors, like if you hire part-time, expect part-time results. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so hire people full-time so they could give you their full attention. And I would initially try to see if I can, if I can ask myself, can a VA do this, you know, and I try to get a VA to do it. If they really can't, then I go hire a more controlled kind of uh, in-house employee that I could kind of control them more and give them higher value tasks. What I do at this point, the zone I'm in, it's kind of, I kind of see it as a hybrid model with in-person directors managing the virtual operations. Interesting. Okay. And then basically, and I, I want to take back to something you said that was super interesting. So virtual assistants as linear thinkers, can you go into a little bit? Cause I, I know that for anyone that are watching, this would be opposed to, you know, a complex thinker, or an original thinker, right? Yeah, most people think that the VAs are kind of one directional. I give you instructions, you do, and then you check back with me. That is only so if you treat them like that. Mm. <laughs> so if you give them more power and you give them instead an objective and a goal, and you tell them very clearly, this is your objective, whatever it takes that you got to do to go accomplish this one objective, I'll leave it up to you, go get it. Then they'll be a lot more likely to open up and do things outside the box for you. 
So it just comes down to you. It's not their problem. It's actually your problem that you probably didn't <laughs> delegate it properly. So always think about what is the number one goal objective for this one VA. Let's say, if, you know, 30, I need you to sign up 30 clients per month and make that their objective. And then you give them resources and give them ways for them to do that, but you leave it up to them to go get that accomplished for you. Yeah, that's awesome. I was going to say too, there's like, um, it's kind of funny. There's this old Peter Drucker quote that I think is really awesome. You know, there's nothing more worthless than something done very efficiently that did not need to be done at all. <laughs> and a lot of the times too, it's just like, it kind of reflects on this, uh, the person who's just getting the assignment. Cause it's like, you know, a lot of this stuff and I've been diving into a lot of, you know, whatever culture, leadership development type books, as far as like the HR function, just, you know, personally and stuff like that. And like a lot of the advice is good. It's like, you know, tell somebody what to do and you're going to get what, give somebody a direction and that's good. And it's kind of weird. I don't really know what goes into it, but maybe people aren't giving themselves permission to ask more of their virtual assistants. It's like, you know, they might've woken up in India or the Philippines, but you know, they, they went to bed, they ate three square meals that day. They got families. They, they like to think about things <laughs> Not any different than you or me. Yeah. And lawyers tend to micromanage too much because they're like perfectionists. So you got to let go. You got to be willing to let go a little bit. You could review their work, but don't tell them exactly how to do it. <laughs> the more you do that, the more, you know, harder a VA or somebody is supposed to help make your life easier. So if you find yourself that you're like stressed out from hiring a VA, then you're probably doing it incorrectly. Yeah. So, yeah, you get what you put in at the end of the day. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and then the last thing too, just as far as like, uh, like different areas too, like, is there any part of the world that you like to hire in from like, uh, from the VA perspective? Any preferences? Yeah, there are specific uh, countries. I usually like sharing that secret sauce with people instead of a. Don't program. worry about it. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, but there are very specific countries. It's uh, it's, it's it's East Timor, yeah. isn't it? Liechtenstein. No, okay. <laughs> there's and there's also a lot of uh, set of countries they should definitely avoid too. You know, yeah. not, not that people you know are so direct, but yeah, there's at this point I have a excluded country list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Sam's no fly zone. Gotcha. Okay, and I was gonna say too, just in terms of other like general pitfalls to avoid. Like, is there anything that you guys see that people do wrong like, that might have like left a bad taste in their mouth, or maybe they have a situation where they got burned on VAs before? That you know, any any tips you could have for somebody who's looking to get into this? Yeah, just hiring from the right countries is like the most you know practical thing other than that you know you got to give them trust and be nice to them so if you're like if you're you know you're going to give people positive reinforcement so with all my vas i've never really got pissed off at them and saying what the hell i would say great job amazing but this time next time it's better the positive re reinforcement all the way yeah. And then kind of transitioning a little bit too. So in, in terms of automation too, we have kind of the human automation element, but also talking about like technology. And I know like, you know, there's like specific tech stacks that people use or encouraged with, or even stuff that you have, you know, within what you teach, but kind of like broadly speaking, like what are the, the trends that you've been seeing recently? And like, what's got you excited about technology that's entering the legal space these days? That's a very good question. That's a weird question. I see a lot of um, software, automation softwares coming out or being out. And there's a lot of debate, which one's the best, which one's not. You know, you want to maximize on every tool that you do have and just use it properly. So, you know, there are kind of, I don't know how to put this together, but for every tool, you always want to see how you can get the most out of it. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure you're utilizing the tools to their advantage. And I know it's pretty obscure. That's one thing that I see. Let me, let me see if I can come up with something better, even better than that. Uh, obviously, there's video, taking advantage of full video, but that's not anything sexy. And I'm sure that's been talked about in 2020, 2021. Yeah. 
Do you have any ideas that we could write off, uh, Jan? No, I'm trying to think. Well, the other thing too is just like kind of like our conversation about TikTok earlier. It's like sometimes like, you know, having the right criteria of something new. Because I th- I feel like sometimes people put the cart before the horse. They're like, oh my God, this sounds so cool. How can I fit this in my business, right? Where it should be like, what do I need and what can I do to like kind of fill it out? Correct. You kind of need, whenever a new tool comes out, don't jump on it yet because I think it will distract you and kind of, you know, would be like a shiny object syndrome. Instead, you need to be you need to see it being applied first. And that's what I always try to do with our students. Everything that I share is first, I do it for one of my law firms, two of my law firms, see how that goes. And then once I see it's working, hey, everybody, look how I've been able to use this. So find those people who actually have application of the application that they use and when they share. Um, I hate people like, who talk in like obscure terms. Uh, you know, my thing is like practical practical ways to be able to go use this program for your law firm. And that's what I always try to do it based on things that I've done myself for my own law firms. Yeah. And I'll also give a quick shout out to the group that you have too. And this is uh, also related to something, a former guest on the, on the show, Ernie Svensson, he was talking about like, basically like when he decides what technology he wants to use, it's like, can I think of two people I could call right now in case something gets blown up, right? That aren't customer support. And when you have the community that you guys have, as far as in the support as well, it's like, okay, cool. Like, you know, you could have the list of all the software that Sam uses in a stack, but not getting everything that you need out of it is a completely different thing <laughs> at the end of the day, right? Correct. And uh, you don't need to use a bunch of different tools. So um, kind of hyper-focus again, exactly on those necessary tools that you absolutely need and just know how to maximize on it. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Sam, this has been an awesome conversation. And I know I kind of teased this out a little bit earlier uh, as far as the group you have, but like, what's the best way for people to take the next step with you or get in touch? Sure. So if you're a law firm owner and you're kind of intrigued about, you know, this whole automated virtual law firm. So imagine a law firm that's running on its own and it's virtual that you can run from your laptop. I basically have a Facebook group called Legal Funnel Members. If you just search, search for it instead of Facebook, people do join. Also, if you just Google Legal Funnel, um, be able to learn more about the program and basically take all the lessons that I currently, again, do for multiple law firms. And I share that out with our students. And so far, we have 225, 226 lawyers who have joined so far. And actually, this is leading to our bigger vision that I'm building out right now is to have an educational platform to teach lawyers how to run their law firm. So this whole concepts of like automations, virtual assistants, how to work efficiently. Yeah. So that's my mission in life to, to help empower other lawyers to run their own automated virtual law firm. Okay. Awesome. And I got to say too, I mentioned this in the beginning, but the whole, uh, I know if, if we're anywhere two years from now, like the difference between from two years ago, which was impressive to start off with, I'll say, I'm expecting to have the bigger things from you in the future as well. So it's a, it's a train to jump off. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think it's the mentality too, again, because everything is possible. It's just up to your imagination. So as far as my imagination would go, hopefully be able to kind of implement that going forward. Uh, Jan, I always wanted to give you props too, for again, staying consistent with everything that you do. You're also, uh, you're somebody who's like mission driven who's also a giver. I think we're very similar. So I'm going to empower you for your audience to continue growing. And hopefully, um, I know we'll be able to work on different projects together and be able to combine our forces and you know uh, be able to help out more lawyers, hopefully. All right. Awesome, man. That's what it's all about. Sam, thanks again. I super appreciate you coming on. And for everybody else, I'll see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.